Recently, I have been speaking to a lot of people about the theory of language and language learning, but today I'm going to be speaking to somebody who is much more interested in the practice. Somebody who, at the age of 73, has learnt 20 different languages. The polyglot Steve Kaufman. In this interview, we talk about language learning and making mistakes and why you should learn English. I hope you enjoy this interview. Steve Kaufman, thanks very much for, for, talk, for talking to me. Oh, I look forward to it. I had a look at your enthusiastic videos teaching English. They're great. Ah, um, th thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I have a lot of enthusiasm for, for the English language. Good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so maybe for people who, who don't know you, right. maybe um, introduce yourself a little bit and, and talk about, um, you know, like who you are and what you do. Okay. So, I mean, I'm a 73-year-old uh, grandfather, and uh, for most of my life, I was in the lumber business. Uh, I was originally in the Canadian diplomatic service and I got into the lumber business. Uh, but in the, over the last, say, 10, 12 years, I've, got, uh, I've become very interested in the whole subject of language learning. And uh, so I have a website together with my son where people learn, uh, I don't know, 35 languages we have on the site. It's called link, L-I-N-G-Q.com. Uh, I've also learned more languages <clears throat> after the age of 60 than I learned before the age of 60. So I'm now... You know, I was working on Arabic and Persian, which would be number 19 and nine, number 20. Not that I speak them all fluently, but quite a few of the ones that I've learned since the age of 60, certainly my Russian, I, I understand, you know, very well. And I communicate with mistakes, but uh, fairly comfortably. So I'm a language keener, let's say. And uh, so that's... So how many... Yeah. Did, did, was learning languages part of your career in the diplomatic service? I imagine it was. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, when I was young, I went to France, right? I, I got quite keen. I grew up in Montreal, which is theoret was theoretically bilingual, but wasn't bilingual. So English-speaking Montreal was uh, English, and French-speaking Montreal was French. That has since changed. But I became interested in French, even though I didn't really learn it at school. And then I went off to France where for three years. I studied at university in France. So everything was in French, right? So that got me going. And then uh, with the diplomatic service, I was sent to Hong Kong because in those days, the cultural revolution was going on in China. So I was sent to Hong Kong to learn Mandarin Chinese. Subsequently, I served in Japan. So I had quite a bit of exposure to language there. And then I just continued from that point, so to speak. Okay. So, so maybe you could say that your your interest in languages um, is is I don't know something you've had for most of your life. Oh yeah, absolutely. And the thing about it is, once you discover uh, you know that you can do something, then you're motivated to do more of it. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's sports or music or anything else. So, I think a lot of people who are struggling with their first second language they don't really have this sense that they can become fluent in another language. And once you do one language, then you're confident now that you can do it again. And in fact, I think we can all learn five or six languages more. No limit, really. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's something I wanted to ask you about, because obviously you're, you know, you're in the industry now of, of not just language learning, but language teaching. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I, I wondered, like, what is your general opinion of the world of, of language teaching? I think most of language teaching has it backwards. Okay. That uh, language teaching is based on instructing people in the language, mostly. So here's the language, and here are the sort of fundamental structures in the language, uh, you know, grammatical issues in the language, and the teacher will teach those, and then there will be exercises on those, and then the student is supposed to be able to reproduce those structures in the language correctly. And that's a very difficult thing to do. That's getting it backwards. Uh, My view is that we should expose the learner to a lot of the language uh, through listening and reading, through, you know, content that gradually gets more difficult, through a lot of repetitive listening and reading, so that the language kind of washes over the learner. The learner now has some experience with the language, so that if then the learner looks at some grammatical explanation or some grammar tables or whatever it might be, at least they have a chance of understanding what this refers to. Uh, That doesn't mean they're going to be able to reproduce it because reproducing stuff correctly is a matter of habit. I mean, you know yourself, people who learn English, there's hardly anybody who doesn't know that the third person singular of the present tense has an S at the end of it. He goes, (laughs) you know, not a difficult concept. And yet, how many people make that mistake all the time all the time <laughs> too many <laughs> too many i mean the the best example is the chinese because in chinese there's no in the spoken language there's no difference between masculine and feminine so lots of chinese people have a 50% chance of saying my husband she okay. because okay they don't have the habit and i have the same when i learn russian for example in english we go to the store but in russian if it's to the store by the store from the store the ending is going to change so if your habit is to say i go to the store you're gonna you know want to produce the word store in one form regardless of the role of that word store in the sentence so we have to change habits so i think language instruction is extremely ineffective Okay, and and I mean, because for me, you know, when when I look at the industry as well, um, you know, I see a lot of, you know, there's a lot of products out there from from massive companies. Right. You know, I'm not going to names, but but that um that that are making what I consider to be just completely false promises. Um, you know, like learn a language in five minutes a day, um, fluent in, in three months, you know, this kind of thing. I mean, what, what, what is your, because I mean, obviously you've learned a lot of languages. So, yeah. so, you know, how do you feel about that aspect of, of, of language learning? Well, you know, several thoughts. First of all, uh, you're absolutely right. I mean, and, and I have lots of books. I buy lots of books on language learning. Teach yourself, colloquial, you know, uh, assimil, which is very popular amongst certain language learners. And they say things like, this book will take you to B2 in the language, or you will master such and such. Or they'll say, in this lesson, you will learn how to, you know, negotiate the train station. But that's not true at all. That's not true at all. It takes a long time because language learning is a matter of getting used to a different way of expressing things. 
you actually have to train the brain in these new habits and that doesn't happen quickly. It happens over a fairly long period of time. But there is one other consideration and that is I think one of the most important things in language instruction is to motivate the learner because if the learner is motivated, they will go out and do all kinds of stuff themselves to learn. And so when I watch your videos, what I come away with is, you know, some of your explanations might register, might not register with people, but those are English learners. So your videos are all in English, which is great, number one, because to get grammar explanations, you know, in your native language is kind of useless because you won't remember the explanations. And the second, but the biggest thing of all is that there's so much enthusiasm. So that with this enthusiasm, people, okay, yeah, well, maybe I'll look into that. Or, you know, people start to pay attention and they might then put in the time, because it takes a long time, the time necessary to actually improve. So maybe yeah. the books that promise five minutes a day or learn in three months, that's just a means of getting people in the door. Yeah, well, I suppose I suppose maybe maybe as a as a psychological tool to get people to take that first step, maybe it is useful to say yeah. you can do this, right? Right. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm sort of I'm in two minds because right. obviously if you if you set people kind of false expectations, then then when they're sort of three weeks in and they realize this is going to take a long time, maybe they you know they give up. Um, I agree with you. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's, uh, in fact, a lot of people are very frustrated language learners. They're frustrated because they don't progress as quickly as they would like. And in a way, we're always somewhat frustrated. We would like to do better. And I always tell people, you know, give yourself credit for what you've done. And so to the extent that they, they uh, you know, give people false expectations, I think it's a negative thing. So yeah, it gets them in the door, but when they discover, in fact, that they actually have to do it every day, at least an hour a day, that it's gonna take a year and not three months, and even then they're gonna be dissatisfied with all the things they don't understand and all the things they can't say and all the mistakes they make. So I, I think in effect, it's, it's, it's a bad strategy, but if you're selling books, it's probably a good strategy. Yeah, of course. Um, of course, it's like you know the the pictures that they show of a of a Big Mac are not like the the, the final product. <laughs> no, <laughs> not that the pictures so, are that appetizing either. But <laughs> no, true, true. Especially if you're vegetarian. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. So, um, so I'm at the at the moment. You you said I think you said that Persian was language number eighteen. Is that is that right? Twenty. Not, 20. Language number twenty. So. So, um, to be perfectly honest, you know, the, the, the internet is, is, is full of these videos of people who, who, who claim to be, you know, polyglots who, who say that they speak sometimes a ridiculous amount of languages, like right. they speak 35 languages. Right. right. And then my, my favorite is when they take these people, you know, and they put them with a native speaker of that language and the native speaker has no idea what they're saying and, and they can't even answer basic questions. Right. And, and I think, I think there's, there's kind of a myth. There's a mythical person out there who, who sort of is fluent in like 30 languages. And, but, but I think, I think, as you said before, you know, you, you, you're, you're not, you're not fluent in all of them. Right. Right. I mean, because, this is that we're running we're running into limitations of, of the human brain and also of time because to maintain right. that many languages is 
it's kind of impossible, really. Right. I mean, right. um, I mean, I, I watched a, I watched a video recently on YouTube of a guy who works in um, in the UN as an interpreter, and he he only spoke I think six languages. Well, only mm -hmm. only six languages, and he said that you know just those six is like a full time job. He has to read newspapers every day to keep up with the culture. He has to, you know, um, have conversations and listen to stuff. I mean, it's like it's a full time job, right? Right. No. So, so no, I don't think it's a full time job. It, you have to be realistic. Um, okay. So, you know, certainly I can easily switch into French, Japanese, Mandarin, Spanish anytime without missing a beat and have my conversations. I'll make mistakes in Spanish, fewer mistakes in Chinese. If you're Chinese, you can't make mistakes because the grammar is very flexible. But, um, cool. but then when you get into, say, German, Swedish, uh, Italian, then I make more mistakes. I struggle a bit more. Uh, Russian, I have really good comprehension, but I hardly ever speak it. But I, I, you know, I could switch into conversation. So my top 10 languages, I can switch into talk with mistakes, no problem. Once I get beyond that, uh, I have, you know, banked a bunch of words, vocabulary in my brain, but I would need a little time to, to kind of refresh it. Um, now, I'm going to Ukraine second half of May and I'm going to do a little bit of work on my Russian and Ukrainian. I have some other reasons for going there. Uh, but the more recent languages, like I would say the last five languages that I have learned, it's more like language tourism. I'm kind of curious about those languages. How do those languages work? So I spent uh, some while learning Greek, then I went to Greece. I was able to speak Greek while I was in Crete and in Athens. Now, somebody came at me in Greek, I don't think I could say a thing. Similarly with Romanian. Uh, the Persian and the Arabic, I mean, Persian is actually quite a lot easier than Arabic. So Persian, I'd have an easier time, even though I only spent three months on it, it's actually quite easy. Uh, but Arabic is very, very difficult. So I don't claim to speak those languages, but I just have a sense of those languages, but it's not lost. Like I don't worry about maintaining my languages because if I ever need to go back and refresh them, I refresh them. And, and the advantage in link is that I have so many resources, so many, you know, we have a series of mini stories, which I think are very useful for kind of nailing down the grammar of a language because there's so much repetition of very high frequency verbs, repetition of sort of fundamental structures in the language. So I can go back to those, refresh, and then I remember what I was doing. So uh, between what I have as sort of in reserve in my brain and what I have in reserve at link, I don't worry about refreshing my language. If I'm going to be, you know, uh, if I'm going to be talking to someone in language X, then I will refresh a little bit ahead of time. That's all. Okay. Not an so, issue. So like, and I should add, by the way, I should add that there are people whom I know in the polyglot community who are genuinely very fluent in many languages. Richard Simcott from Britain is genuinely fluent in, I don't know what the number is, 30 or 40. Luca Lamporiella is genuinely fluent. I have spoken to him and he has excellent, okay, he's Italian, so Spanish, no big deal, French, no big deal. His German is phenomenal. His Chinese is good. His Japanese is good. His Swedish is good. So yeah, there are some real polyglots out there. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I'm I'm sorry if I if I um if I sort of um wasn't clear. I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that polyglots don't exist, right? But I'm saying that 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 you know, of course, there are people you know throughout history who who have spoken many many languages. But um, 
but I think that there's um, may maybe people have this idea that um, it's sort of something that I don't know that it's almost like a, like a well obviously so let me let me try and expand my thoughts so you know the the, the FSI who, who right. teach languages to, right. to, to people you know they said that the more that you know about languages the easier it is to learn another language like, like you said before right um, and and so you know the polyglots who 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 learn different languages they 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 sort of have an intuitive understanding of of what questions to ask to sort of get the the basics of a language and and as you said maybe you know some languages have have similar vocabulary because they right. come from the same language family so you have you know the more you learn the more you know the faster you learn right yeah absolutely um, but 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 i think what i'm getting at basically is that all of this doesn't come from some kind of special talent right no. it's hard work no it's absolutely hard work like i i'm a nut okay i mean i listen every free moment if i'm doing the dishes if i'm in the car i'm listening to language who else does that when i see people in the gym with their airpods on they're not listening to language they're listening to their favorite rock band or something i don't know what they're listening to so yeah it takes a, a commitment but i mean there are people who i don't know who who make model uh, sailing ships and put them inside bottles. And I would never do that. So it's a matter of what you're interested in. Uh, yeah, of course. But the thing is, you know, the more languages you learn, the better you become at language learning. The brain, you're developing a capability in your brain. Just like if you have never played any sport and you pick up a new sport, you won't be very good at it. But if you play tennis and then you want to take up, uh, I don't know, soccer, and then you want to take up something else, the more sports you play, the better your capability of, of, of learning uh, a, a new sport. And I think it's not a matter of a special talent. Uh, this often comes up and I point out that in certain countries, many people speak several languages, say in Scandinavia or in Holland or in Germany or in Singapore or I, I gather in South Africa or many places, people naturally speak three or four languages. I don't believe those people have some kind of a language learning gene in their ethnic makeup. I don't believe that. So anyone can, with use, develop in their brain the capability of learning one, two, three, four, five, six languages. But they have to be interested and they have to put in the work and the time. Yeah, so, well, I'm curious about, because I agree with you, I think that, um motivation is is motivation could be the, everything right could be the most important absolutely thing. absolutely and um and that's I, what i liked about your videos by the way i think they're very motivating for people uh thank you well i mean i i try my best M maybe because you know because i enjoy well look, you know i i studied french at high school for, uh -huh. for seven years and after seven years, I, I couldn't even introduce myself, really. It was just a complete waste of time. And you'd be typical. And, I, 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 and you'd be typical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and it upsets me to think that right now, all over the world, you know, we're pumping out hundreds of thousands of students for language classes, and they're just completely ineffective. It's a waste of time. Right. And we, we have to do better, right? Agreed. So, so I'm curious, like, what... What apart from your sort of maybe natural interest in language, what what do you think would be a good way for people to get motivated to learn a language? You know what? What, what well, would be some course, advice that you might? Yeah, you know, for, first of all, we take the case of English, which is 
different than all the other languages because English is the most useful language in the world. You know, if you sit on an airplane beside someone from Brazil, Japan, Kazakhstan, whatever, the greatest likelihood is that the common language will be English. So therefore, a lot of people want to learn English, not because they're in love with English or American or Australian culture or anything. It's because they something they have to do. Their employer told them to do it. Uh, they feel they get better academic opportunities, better professional opportunities and so forth. That's English. So, however, a lot of people who study English, because they aren't that intrinsically motivated, they don't do very well. They just kind of go through the motions. Um, with the other languages, you know, it's interesting. Uh, people are interested in Japanese because of anime. People are interested in Korean because of Korean drama. Some people are interested in German rock music. I, got, I have no idea what that is. But uh, so, so those are the people who learn. It's because they have a, a motivation. My interest typically is history. So I, I want to read about, or even I like 19th century literature. So Russian, I wanted to read, you know, Tolstoy, Dostoevsky. That makes me a bit of an outlier today, but those are my interests. So uh, yeah, there has to be that, or you have a girlfriend, boyfriend, uh, you know, family member, whatever, grandma, who still speaks the language of the old country, you've got to learn it. So there could be any, any possible motivation, but the motivation is what drives it. And I would add, uh, what people should look at is, you know, there's an expression in French called l'appétit vient en mangeant. So that you, we acquire the appetite while eating. So at first you may not think you're very motivated, but once you get in and start doing it, and especially if people can have some success, because success feeds motivation. So that's another reason why traditional language instruction is so bad, because you're asking people to do something that's intrinsically very difficult to try to understand theoretically how a language works when you have no experience with the language. Our emphasis should be on comprehension, gaining experience with the language, hearing a lot of the language, and then slowly introducing some concepts about the language and people will say, oh yeah, right, I saw, I was wondering about that myself. And then if the student is curious about some aspect of the language, they're far more likely to, to, uh, to learn some of those details of grammar, but we don't do that. In typical language instruction, it's made very difficult. So we basically demotivate people. And so there's never an opportunity for that appetite to, to arise, you know? Yeah, well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's a really interesting um, expression. Uh, I, I, like, I like the concept and I agree. Yeah, I think um, people need those small wins, right? Even if they just Absolutely. go to the supermarket and they can, I don't know, they can buy bread, they're like, but but so because something you talked about before you talked about you know some of your languages you can communicate but you make mistakes and and I know that you know a majority of, of people who are learning any language a huge barrier for them is they don't want to use it because they're afraid of making those mistakes right and what would you what would you say to those people well, you know, the, uh, the paradox is that if they aren't willing to make mistakes, they will continue to make mistakes. In other words, in order to stop making mistakes, first of all, they have to say, I will always make some mistakes. Like I have, I did business in Europe with Swedes, okay? Swedes, Germans, they speak English quite well, most of them, many of them. They all have their little Swedish English phrases, German English phrases, and they have the little accent. It doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter. In no way did it prevent us from having, you know, 
good conversations on everything from business to social, whatever we were talking about. So that the fact that you make some mistakes is not a problem. Perfection is not the goal. That's point number one. Point number two is you have to make mistakes and most of your mistakes, you're going to correct yourself because there's no way that, you know, it's a bit like the mother and the child. People say, well, the mother corrects the child. That's absolutely nonsense. If the mother corrected the child, I mean, how much correction does the mother do? If that were the case, children of immigrants, say in Australia, would always speak like their parents, which they don't. They speak like their peers. And so people make correct themselves, but they can only do that if they're engaged with the language, if they're speaking. So if you're hanging back because you're afraid of making a mistake, you're going to continue making mistakes and you just have to go with it. Something in your instinct says that you should say it this way. You say it. Eventually, you'll start to realize mm, maybe that's not correct and you'll correct yourself, but you got to let it all hang out, basically. And that's a hard sell because, yeah, people don't want to do that. People are, you know, children are not inhibited. The children are, they don't want, children don't mind sounding childish, but adults don't like sounding childish. So that's the problem. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing, isn't it? I think, I think anybody who's tried to learn another language, that you sort of definitely go through a phase where it's frustrating because you know you know you're a smart person you're an intelligent person but basically you can you can only talk like an idiot <laughs> yeah that's right and most people don't like that <laughs> yeah but um but as you said yeah you have to go through you have to go through that and that can take a long time right and then you get through and, and well the other thing too is that i'm a big fan of of focusing on input and comprehension because the worst situation is when you don't understand what the other person is saying. So in a way, it's worse to be able to say a few things and then stand there and just not understand what's coming back at you. Uh, if you understand what the other person is saying, native speakers say, and you struggle to say whatever you want to say, you have a limited range of vocabulary that you can use, you piece together something, uh, at least you're in the conversation. But if you don't understand what they're saying, you're basically nowhere. And if you have good comprehension, you can access movies, you can read books, you can, you know, listen to audiobooks. There's so much more you can do. So the focus should be on comprehension and input so that when you go to speak, at least you have a chance. At least you have some passive vocabulary that might activate. But if you start speaking when you have nothing, you're, you're very vulnerable. And I think that's, for me, that would be discouraging. I typically wait uh, until I have a certain level. Now, with our mini stories at Link, I have found, because there's so much repetition in these stories, I found that I've started speaking sooner. So it's quite an interesting phenomenon, these mini stories. I think they're, they're amazing. I'm now, for example, I'm going to Russia and I'm going to be speaking Russian and Ukrainian. Excuse me, I'm going to Ukraine. And I continue to make mistakes in my Russian and Ukrainian. So I'm now, even though I have quite a large vocabulary in both languages, I'm focusing in on the mini stories and I'm saving phrases, I'm reviewing phrases, I'm trying to increase my ability to notice what's happening in the language so that those things might become a habit for me. Because it's one thing to understand in theory that there's different case endings, but when you go to speak, the English takes over, or most of my languages, even Japanese, the word doesn't change. I go to the store, 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 from the store, by the store, at the store, it's all the same, but not in Russian. So while speaking to actually get it right, it's, it's, it's a lot of work. So let's, let's, let's imagine that tomorrow you are going to start learning a new language. Right. What, what's, what's your language learning process? 
Well, I did it now for Arabic and Persian. Okay. First thing I had to do was learn the writing system because I very much believe in reading. Reading is, if I just hear something, I have a lot of trouble trying to remember it. Like if I have an online tutor and, and I say, how do you say this? And they give it to me in Persian or Arabic. I can't remember it. But all of my online tutors, they give me a, a list of, say, 15 or 20 words and phrases, which they also record, by the way. And I import this into Link as a lesson and I study it. And slowly, you know, I have a chance of remembering those words. But so I learned the writing system because it's different. If I were learning, uh, you know, Finish. I wouldn't have to learn the writing system because I have the writing system. But then typically what I do is I buy a starter book, teach yourself, a colloquial, whatever it might be. And then I start into our mini stories at Link. And uh, I listen to them many. So I do lesson one and it's like three or four minutes long and it's in three parts. Sort of, you know, John went to the store, he did this, he did that. And then I went to the store and then did John go to school? No, he went to the store. So you have three sort of segments in these little mini stories and there's so much repetition. And then I listen to them often. Like I'll go story one through five, back to one, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, back to one. And uh, I've listened to the, you know, lesson one, two, three, four, five, 30, 40 times. So, so by focusing on certain phrases and certain words, listening to it often. And, and of course, the key is listening because you can do it everywhere. You can do it while working out. You can do it while, you know, I can get in an hour a day, 45 minutes to an hour a day, every day listening. And listening triggers the rest because now I listen to stuff I didn't really understand. So now I want to read it and see what, what was that? Like I, I kept on missing the same parts or maybe I didn't understand any of it. And then I go back in and I read it. Then on the next day, I'll be listening to it again, and they're still missing the same parts. And then I go back in. So the, the listening is key. The listening is something that's so easy to do, then it triggers the rest of it. And then if there's an issue in grammar, nowadays you can look up, like I'll just Google my Persian verbs or something, and, and I'll see, you know. So, But the listening is the key. So lots of listening. Lots of listening. And then it's nice to have a book. I like. I, I think it's, it's nice to cover the same ground from, you know, in different ways. So... Um, Link I do on the iPad, uh, but then to have a book is so I'm covering the same kinds of stuff uh, in, in a book. And with that, like in Persian, within three months, I had I posted a video of myself, my discussion with my Persian tutor after three months. And lots of ah uh, 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 as I'm struggling to remember, but we had a conversation. Wow, well that that's awesome. So so obviously you know you know Luca. Luca yes. Lampier, 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 I think his name is, yeah. Okay, and, um, and Richard Simcott, and, and obviously you know other polyglots yes. in the community. Right. How, um, how, how, how what, what are the sort of similarities? Is, is there a similar sort of I think the, Yeah, I think the, the core similarity is the need for tremendous, a tremendous amount of input, listening and reading. That's the core. Now, I know that Luca, uh, he uh, emphasizes translation. So translating from the language into your own language, from your own language back into the target language, which is a good thing to do. It, you know, I, I don't do a lot of that uh, because I'm not that motivated to do it. If I were at school and I, and I had to learn by a certain date, I might do that, but I don't do that. But that's what Luca, that's one of the big, I don't know all of the details of what Luca does, but I know that, Translation is a big part of his strategy. I know that Richard Simcott likes to go to language schools or language classes. So 
And so we may have different degrees to which we focus on grammar or which we focus on writing or translating, but the core, I think, to all of the uh, polyglots, going back to the famous Hungarian lady of the previous century, Kato Lam, is input. And Stephen Krashen, like input. You can't learn the language without a lot of input. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... Um, but you should ask them too. I mean, they may say something different. I shouldn't speak for them, you know. No, no, sure. I was just uh, obviously because I don't, um, you know, I don't, I don't know um, really any polyglots. You're, you're, you're the first polyglot I've ever met in my life. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so I was just curious, you know, um, if if there was some sort of central, central, you know, important method and input. Yeah. Okay. Um, there is a fellow because, called. Yeah, um, it's true sorry. that that. It's true that, that without vocabulary, well, you can't speak, really. Vocabulary and, and just getting used to the language. So if you acquire your vocabulary through lots of listening and reading, the brain is getting used to the language. Some people say that you should review the most common vocabulary and all that stuff, and I never believe that because the most common vocabulary, it repeats so often in just about anything you're going to listen to and read, you don't have to make a special effort to learn it. You'll see it often enough. <laughs> if you do enough listening and reading. So, and link basically is based on making that listening and reading easier to do because I always get the impression, the the question, well, how do you listen to something you don't understand? Like, how do you start? You know no words. How can you listen and read when you don't know the language? So that's what we do at Link. We get you started. So you've got a short, short little text. You start looking at words. You do a lot of listening and slowly you get a bit of a toehold and then you just grow from there. Okay, so so what what would you say to to students who maybe you know maybe they learned English at high school but they didn't really learn anything and maybe you know they they went and they bought like a like a teach yourself book and they didn't you know nothing happened and you know what what would you say to the student who who really wants to learn a language you know English but but they don't really know what, like what to do and they don't know what what works and you know. Well, I would say that that uh, they've got to have a strategy that is sort of a two-pronged strategy. The sort of big picture strategy and then the nuts and bolts strategy. And they got to do both of them. The big picture is get into content that interests you, whatever it might be. If you're in business, look up business articles on the internet pick your way through them, learn the words, listen to podcasts on business. Depends what the level is, of course. But if they're not at that level, they got to start at a somewhat lower level. But that's kind of just getting the language in you. Lots of listening and reading. The other aspect is then the nuts and bolts. Because particularly if you, if you need the language for business, then you are concerned about, you know, your tenses and all the other finicky points of, you know, of English usage. And so there, um, I personally, I enjoy using our mini stories because you're getting a lot of repetition, a lot of repetition. And, and in a way, because the mini stories, once you've done them, you know what the story is about. You've heard it now two or three or four times. So now you're focusing in not so much on the meaning, but you're focusing in on some of the structures and some of the words. And I, I think that's very useful. You should also occasionally go over grammar. And I only looked at a couple of your videos, but someone whose English is good enough to understand what you're saying is benefiting because they're being reminded of stuff that they have come across in their listening and reading. 
you are providing some explanation. You're providing it in English, which is good, because therefore, presumably, they're interested. So they're listening to you. You are now interesting content. Every time you're listening to interesting, meaningful content, you're improving. So just the mere fact that they're, you're listening to your videos is good for them. And then they're reminded or certain things are explained that they actually have a bit of an understanding of because they've come across it in their big picture listening and reading. And so it helps them perhaps notice it. And it might be that the next time they come across the third person singular of the present tense, that it'll click. <laughs> that in fact, there's an S there and they might start using it when they speak. So that's why I say big picture yeah. and nuts and bolts, both of them. And, and then, uh, yeah, if, if at an early stage, I don't think speaking is that important because the comprehension isn't there. But once they have a decent level of comprehension, they should be trying to speak. And, uh, you know, especially if, if your learners are, say, you know, from Asia, don't sit in a room with five other Japanese and speak because you're picking up on all of their mistakes. You're better off to have fewer interactions with native speakers online or whatever. Uh, and as I say, you know, and get, get the tutor to send you all the words and phrases that you had problems with, gaps, uh, whatever, and then go over that and, and really focus in on the language uh, rather than um, sitting there with five other Chinese or Japanese. I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that, but it's not something I would do. I just think it, it, it's just you're not going to progress that way. And then when you do speak, don't worry about it. Just go for it. Just let it all hang out. Trust your instincts and just go for it. That would be my my advice. I think that's you know I think that's that's solid advice, right? It's about um it's about using the language, you know, um, yeah. to, to sort of well to basically use the language to to interact with things you're interested in rather Absolutely. than yeah. treating the language as just sort of something to study, right? Right. Um, yeah. Um. I, I mean, it's you know what what you sort of mentioned before. It's it's like a catch twenty two because as you said, if if people are able to to absorb content at my level, for example, if they can watch my YouTube videos and understand right. them, then they've already done really well, right? So there's sort of this there's this question of um, you know that 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 point where you start at zero to get up to being able to absorb more content. That that's that's a that's a tricky problem to solve on on a big scale. Right? Yeah, one of the good things is that most people who are Learning English have had some English at school. You're not dealing with many beginners, I presume. Mm -hmm. Most well, people have um, many. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think well, there are 1.5 billion people learning English every day. So, right. so yeah. <laughs> but but I think I mean, if I don't know any Persian and I get on a site where they're explaining Persian grammar in Persian, I'm not staying there. I'm gone because I don't understand what they're saying. But your stuff, there's so many people who have had English. So even if they understand 50%, but then they get your enthusiasm. And it's content. Uh, do you provide transcripts for your videos? Um, I, well, uh, in my experience, the, the YouTube automatic subtitles are basically perfect. Correct. Yeah. 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 In fact, we should tell our um, English learners at Link to go to your YouTube videos because we have a, a web extension whereby we just click on, if I'm watching a video and I click on our web extension, that comes into Link as a lesson. So all of the text, it can't be shared. So it's just for the individual learner. We can only share in our library things for which there are no copyright issues. But uh, they could go there, 
they could, uh, so then they get the text, they can look up words and phrases, they get the audio, they can take away, and they can listen to more than once. I think there's real value in listening more than once. So I just thought of that right now. We should probably, maybe I'll get on our forum and suggest that our English learners should get on there and, and import these lessons. And then go over them again. Don't, don't not just once. Go back over them. But but uh, the advantage of audio is that they can be in the car. They can be anywhere, and they can be listening to them again. Then they go back and watch you again, and watch all your you know, <laughs> gesticulation. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's it's fascinating to me um, how many people actually pay. They'll they'll pay like a monthly fee just for transcripts. Like it's so important sure. for the learners. Of course it is. That transcript. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And it's something that I never. Well, look. I mean, you know. I, I've been living here in Spain for, for nine years and, you know, my level of Spanish is, well, probably intermediate um, because I, I teach English, so I, I work every day in English. Right. You know, my, my level right. is a result of the effort that I've put in and I've put in not very much effort, to be perfectly right. honest. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, my experience with, with, with learning a second language is, is, is not, um, not great. You know, I don't, it's not something I've tried to do consciously. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't realize how, how valuable people saw transcripts. Oh, yeah. Really, then. Well, you, the thing is, and particularly on a site like Link, where you can actually look up words, save words, save phrases, review these. There's a bunch of statistics. The system tells you how many words you know. I mean, it's a whole learning environment, but the transcript is key. And there are automatic transcription sites. Like when I was listening to Arabic podcasts, I would put these Arabic podcasts on these transcription sites so that I can get the text. Huh. Yeah, and they're normally pretty good. Like the, the, the voice recognition is, is pretty they're good. Amazing, they're amazing. Not so good in Arabic, but it's good enough, I guess. Yeah, because yeah, obviously there's so many dialects, right? It must be a nightmare. God. No, no, no. I'm just dealing with, with, the, tradition, with the standard Arabic. So no, no, it's, yeah, but it's uh, it's okay. It's getting there. All this stuff is helping. Well, um, I I I think this. Well, for, for me, this was a fascinating conversation because you know I learned a lot about about um, you know about learning multiple languages and about you know how 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 you how you approach learning languages and you know it, it's interesting for for me you know because I'm not really I'm not really in the language learning community. It's interesting right. to see. You know where where my ideas cross over with other people's and where they sure. don't cross over, and, and you know I'm I'm happy to see that um you know we see eye to eye on on a lot of things. Absolutely, absolutely. Get on link for your Spanish. Take it up to the next level. Do yeah, audio. I actually, I actually did. I did about about a year ago. I I had an Arabic teacher and I tried to learn Arabic, but um, you know I just didn't. It's really fascinating language for me. If, if I'm going to learn a third language, it would definitely be Arabic. But uh, I don't know if, I, if I'm ready to commit the time necessary yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you think it's hard, I'm screwed. <laughs> it's not a matter of if it's hard or not. It's a matter of what you enjoy doing. <laughs> no, of course. That's the course. key. <laughs> um, well, well th thank you so much for talking. Okay, to me. well, thank you. I enjoyed it. And good luck.